Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we welcome Taryn Kalmeyer. Taryn has spent the last 10 years bringing her yoga and meditation expertise to people around the world with a teaching style that highlights her deep understanding of the body, mindfulness, and conscious living. Taryn is a yoga, meditation, and wellness coach with a background in osteopathy and has extensive experience working with brands from Puma to Move and Pick Resorts. In 2020, Taryn and her team launched Remote Team Wellness, a live virtual wellness solution designed to bring health and balance to companies and their employees. Sessions are simply booked online and employees arrive via video conferencing to meet a real teacher for a personalized session. Through this service, Remote Team Wellness reduces stress, increases productivity, and promotes fitness among work teams. We had an incredible conversation with Taryn and hope you enjoy the episode. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Well, welcome, Taryn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. To start off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, your background, your personal story, and maybe how that led you to the work that you currently do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was born and raised in South Africa, in Johannesburg, South Africa, and I moved to America when I was 14 years old. I was raised as a dancer, so I've pretty much, I pretty much started dancing before I started walking, um, and that's been my my life <laughs> the whole time. So I I had a very active upbringing. I was always really really into movement and sport and getting involved in different activities, and I had this mentality that I had to be the best at everything. I had a very competitive dancing mindset. Um, And all of that kind of came to a bit of a halt when I was 17 years old and I broke my ankle. 
And so I went from the space of being really enthusiastic about dance and um, movement and all of these things. And then I couldn't do any of the training that I had, I had grown up doing and I had spent my whole life preparing to be a, to be a professional dancer. So I, I went to the doctor and he was basically like, look, you're not going to be able to, to train. You're not going to be able to move forward with this as a career. So you're going to need to rehabilitate yourself and find a way to, you know, get back into walking. <laughs> um, and so he, he said that I could either do water aerobics or yoga. <laughs> and so I'm not really a big fan of water aerobics. Not, not, not the biggest, um, not the biggest uh, YMCA kind of kind of girl. Like I don't really hang out at the pool too often. So I decided to try, um, try yoga. And I started with probably the most hardcore form of yoga that you could. I did a Bikram yoga class. <laughs> that's, that's what I chose. Um, and because I, I was still like, I was still in a moon boot. I still had this huge thing on my leg, couldn't really stand. Um, and so it was a really humbling experience for me. Like I basically had to just stand at the front of the class, holding onto the mirror while the teacher instructed everyone else to do these things that I, you know, my body had the capacity and capability to do for so long. And then I, I, I just got, I really had to take a slice of humble pie, like a whole slice, because it was like, it was really realizing that now I'm going to have to consistently rebuild my body and reach and rebuild everything that I've worked for and worked on and letting go as well, letting go of that attachment to needing to be the best, letting go of the attachment of needing to compete or, um, or to, to just show up and, you know, show up and perform. So that was a really great practice for me because I needed the intensity to start out. And so when I, when I started Bikram, it was great because the heat was keeping me coming and that consistency kept me showing up. And I just realized how much power there is in that practice of showing up to doing something all the time and doing something regularly with a different mentality and a different mindset. So from that place, I... I got completely into into yoga and into meditation, um, and it, like the, the meditation side definitely took a little while longer. But I, I saw how powerful your mind is when you're telling yourself that you can't do something or that you you're not able to to perform or that you know any, any of these stories that we tell ourselves they really do have an impact. So um, through that and through that journey, I, I really decided to start exploring more about wellness and more about um, treating the body and rehabilitation. So after that journey, I moved to Australia to study uh, sports medicine. And that was an interesting course. It, it was an interesting way for me to kind of enter into, into the industry and, uh, and see, like, just kind of get my feet wet and see if, this, if it worked for me. It really didn't. <laughs> um, so I moved into an osteopathic uh, degree. Um, osteopathy is the holistic treatment of the body through the musculoskeletal system. Um, and so that also introduced me to this whole other world of realizing that the body is actually a unit instead of it being this thing that we have to treat in part or compartmentalize, or you just treat the symptom. It's really about looking at the underlying causes um, of what, what we're, what we're all going through. And so I, I learned so many fascinating things, but then um, I, I still had this, this almost mentality of saving people. 
um, and trying to trying to be trying to step in to be the savior. And I think that that every every person in a healing in a healing in the healing space really does experience this, where it's like, do you want to enable your clients, or are you here to empower? people to really take responsibility for their wellness journey. So going through that was really, really fascinating because I, I really learned that I couldn't just take on people's stuff and, you know, have people come to see me to heal themselves, but really just, you know, feel better after I've given them an adjustment. So I was, I was getting burnt out um, working in the clinic, working, um, working and doing, tre doing treatments for patients because it was just the same people coming back and coming back and coming back because they were actually, they were actually taking responsibility for that journey. They were, they were outsourcing it to me as their practitioner. So I was, I was in very, very much need, very much in need of yoga um, and through like through through me going to yoga all the time one of my yoga teachers was like you would be an excellent yoga teacher you should come and do our teacher training it's starting in a week I was like I don't have time for that I don't have time to I, I, I don't have time for anything like um and so um from that from that space I, I actually decided you know what this is something that I love and I just want to learn more about this practice. I would love to learn more about the mindfulness and uh, meditation element of yoga. So I decided to do the teacher training. I was like, you know, I don't have to teach. It doesn't have to be a serious thing. <sighs> Famous last words. Um, I ended up finishing my yoga teacher training and, um, my, my mentor and, and main teacher was like, what are you doing tomorrow at six? And I was like, uh, not too sure about that. Um, I guess I'm coming to yoga. And she's like, yeah, you're going to teach the class. And I was like, okay. And that's pretty much how the, the journey started. I, I, never, I never stopped teaching from there. I started taking on more and more classes and then more and more clients. Then started expanding how I was seeing my teaching um, and started teaching with hotels and started teaching at resorts and thinking about different ways to bring the yoga practice to more people rather than just the people who had the, the language and the tools for it. Uh, and then, yeah, through that, I, I've discovered so many other modalities that do, again, give people tools and empower people to take to take their own responsibility for their journeys. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. It's truly um, so incredible. And there is so much to unpack. And I definitely want to talk about, you know, your, your business and everything that you've developed. But, you know, something that you shared, right, you had this background as a dancer, and it was your life, right? And it was this, like, it was your life. And that transition into you know, a softer, more mindful, you know, meditation, yoga practice. I think a lot of people right now, even if they can't relate to having an injury, right? Like so many people are unemployed. So many industries are in flux. So many people are existing right now with lifelong passions that have suddenly changed, right? And changed mm -hmm. for the indefinite future. So what was, I know you, you touched on it, right? Like you went to Bikram and it was this humbling experience. Um, but just before we go into your business as well and, and the work that you are currently doing, what was that transition like to go from something that you just thought was going to be your whole life, right? And now here you are taking yoga classes, doing meditation. How were you able to get there where you were able to be still and accepting of the new reality? 
Well, to be completely honest with you, when it first happened, I was not. <laughs> I was not okay with it. And I had to go through, it was almost like my introduction, my, my 101 to mindfulness and to detachment, to learning to let go of everything that I had come to expect. And it really made me take a step back and look at what I expected and, what, and how, how, much, how much value I was putting into my expectations rather into being present with what actually was happening for me. So for a while, I was trying to ignore the injury. And, I, and again, I was ignoring my, my recovery and my rehabilitation. And it was just getting worse, you know. Um, and I think I experienced that. I've seen that a lot with, with people who do get injured and they just want to keep pushing their bodies and they just want to keep, you know, moving through it and kind of denying that it's actually happening. And it's completely understandable because we do have that tendency to want to hold on to the things that we see as, you know, as being our, our, our thing, the thing that we've built up and we've worked so hard for. But that's, that's actually more limiting to, to, to hold on to those things rather than to allow yourself the space to just ask, what is this trying to teach me? And what, is, what am I trying, what am I actually going to be able to learn from this? It's also really interesting to just take a step back, any, any, any process of letting go or anything, any, any loss um, experienced, it's really about asking yourself how you can be transformed from the experience rather than why am I losing this? <laughs> you know, why, why is this happening to me? Putting yourself into that more empowered state. Yeah, I think um, that, I think that's a hard thing for people to I mean, people in general, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to go through. And as Erica mentioned, I know for myself too, where in this time of pause, forced pause, um, having to really grapple with what, what, how do we see ourselves as like, what is our identity? Is it what we do? Is it how productive we are? Or is it just that we're human beings and we exist? Right. And like, I guess for me, what I started to explore in like the beginning of COVID was I was crazy, crazy, crazy traveling around different work stuff. Um, actually had to be like emergency flown back home because you know how you were saying like things, everything just started to shut down. And I realized that like I was not even consciously putting my value in what I do rather than just the fact that I am. Yeah. And that's, I think, a big shift that's starting to happen for all, all of us who, a lot of the world, to be honest, has had this forced pause right now. Um, mm. And so in a way, your experience like with breaking your foot and experiencing this sort of derailment in what you thought was your identity, what you thought or how you defined yourself. And, and listen, I'm an artist too. I get that like when you have a craft that you've really dedicated yourself to, it's you, you know, you put your heart and soul into it. And so it's, it is a loss. It's devastating. Um, mm -hmm. if you're told you can't do that again, but to, to be able to grow from that process and then you're, you, it's like your story has sort of illuminated that there could be options beyond what you could ever imagine for yourself. Um, through that sort of like limited identity, you know, yeah. how we define ourselves, where our value is placed. It's just an interesting time. And I feel like, your story kind of gives an, a good example of that where it's like you had, you had an opportunity and you took that opportunity to mm -hmm. do growth. Um, but oftentimes we fight it, I think. 
A hundred percent. I feel as though I've actually been um, set up for that a, a lot in my life and mm. having experienced death and loss um, in my own, in my, in my personal life as well. Um, I lost my grandfather who I was very close with, who was also a very big part of um, how I came to my wellness journey. Mm. Um, and then I lost my father and through both of those experiences, it is, it's also just been an, even more of an unraveling of that, 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 what, do, what am I identifying with here? How am I attaching myself to this person or this thing that I can't, I can't see myself as a separate entity or I can't see myself as being something other than this. And that's really the space and moment where it's, 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 it's time to take, it's, it's a time to take a step back and, and ask yourself where, again, where you're putting those expectations because you know, this, this, this journey that we all are on is, is finite. And so uh, it, it is important to just keep reminding yourself that nothing, nothing is really forever and you, you are constantly in a state of transformation and evolution. And so especially in these scary, scary and uncertain times, um, and there are so many, and there will be many more, I'm sure, because that's just the nature of reality. There, it's, it, it, it is our, it is our, um, it's our, it's our, it's almost our, not responsibility, but it's our, our, op, our option to be able to really choose if we want to allow ourselves to be thrust into something unknown that we can grow from, or to hold on and hold back and try to keep that thing alive that isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily a part of our lives anymore. Um, so yeah, it's this kind of delicate balance between holding on and letting go at any moment. Do you think that now that you're sort of an experienced professional mindfulness teacher, meditation teacher, yoga teacher, do you feel that you, um, have because of the practice that you've cultivated for yourself do you feel like you have the ability to sort of recognize that these sort of obstacles as opportunities now in a way kind of immediately or um is it something that like is it something that you feel like at, at deep acceptance with at this point versus kind of where you were when you started I definitely err on the side of acceptance more than I do on the side of asking why, yeah. you know, um, I, I realize that sometimes I'll never know why I'll never know the reasons, you know, but to rather just be present with what I'm experiencing uh, is, is a, a far greater gift and far more productive for my time and more, a more peaceful, a more peaceful life for me than to always be wondering why things are happening to me. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think it is, it's a practice, like you said, right? All of this is a practice. It's a muscle because I think we all have different experiences, but I think being a human being, that's not necessarily like our natural go-to, right? Like our natural go-to might be, you know, it's, it's human. We have a lot of human conditions in all of us. Yeah. And so that's why we need, you know, practices to help us, you know, move through, accept and become like, I feel like more enlightened beings, <laughs> which is, um, you know, Ali and I have a Buddhist practice. We chant mm -hmm. every single day and, um, Amazing. 
we need that, right? Like I think practice is something that's so important and practice is something I feel like one of the great similarities of many of our guests that they have and that they cultivate in order to have these, you know, courageous stories. And so, you know, with that, you've now created remote team wellness. So can you talk to us about what is remote team wellness and how did you get there? Yeah, absolutely. Very excited to talk about that. So remote team wellness is a a virtual wellness solution that helps to connect absolutely world-class wellness service providers to companies and remote workers that need their services and that need those tools. And when I say the word wellness, I am not just speaking about physical or emotional. I'm talking about everything that encompasses what it means to be well. And there are so many, there are so many different dimensions of wellness. I feel like there are seven main dimensions of wellness and that's been kind of outlined in the wellness world, I'm sure as both of you know. Um, So so remote team wellness is that it's a it's a space for companies and workers to connect outside of their working environment because we've all been relegated to this new paradigm where we're all of a sudden working from home and now our home space is our workspace our child rearing space our everything space and you know that's quite that is also quite a difficult transition and i was seeing so many of my clients and my friends just struggling with taking that transition on and learning how to how to balance not only their workload and then their kids and all of the other things but also just their their well-being their general wellness so remote team wellness is is a solution for companies to really start to empl- prioritize their employees well-being and that that can be that can be any any size of company any kind of company any company that is now in this transition where they're working remotely and they're working from home they need to, we need to find a way to connect because this is going to be the new normal for a really long time. This is, this is our new normal. You know, this is, this is what we're all working with and what we're all having to live through and deal with. So how do we now start to adapt our, our way of seeing things from what has been a very, you know, cure focused culture uh, very much about, you know, we just do screen, we do a screening once every quarter and then, hopefully everything's good, you know, and then when something happens, then we, we react to it then. This is more of a responsive way for companies to really start to say, you know what, our employees are working remotely. We don't want them to feel like they're alone. We want them to feel like they still have that space where they're being checked in with. They're still, they still have a space to connect with each other outside of just like hop onto a Zoom meeting and then hop off and you don't get to connect with your coworkers. You don't get that same level of interaction with people. So, yeah, so really trying to create innovative ways for people to connect outside of their working environment. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about a wellness brand that we really love. It's called Ned. In 2019, we had co-founder Adrian Zimmerman on the podcast, and he shared all about Ned's commitment to providing the absolute best science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. Ned only grows the highest quality full-spectrum CBD that is extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. All products are absolutely non-psychotropic. My favorite is Ned's Natural Cycle Collection, made for women by women for period support. I particularly love the Ned Soothe Salve, made with hemp oil and specially created to help soothe premenstrual discomfort so you can feel your best. 
The Natural Cycle Collection is slow crafted from seed to bottle and contains anti-inflammatories, balancing minerals, healing antioxidants, nourishing fatty acids, and revitalizing vitamins. Erica, what is your favorite Ned product? Well, I have to say that my favorite is the full spectrum hemp oil line. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood. So I have made it part of my daily self-care routine. Every day I use the 750 milligram tincture and do two droplets under my tongue in the morning and in the evening. I also love applying the hemp infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed as I am winding down and always use my tincture as an alternative to any pain medication if I get hit with a headache. If you want to try out Ned and give their CBD a try for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash podcast. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out their full line of wellness products. Now back to the episode. What a timely, you know, thing for, for us more than ever right now. Um, and what I love that you said when we were having a little pre-recording conversation is that it, it's not um, a response necessarily to what's happening. It's just something that um, is you've created that actually can serve even more in in these times of you know isolation at home. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think like you mentioned, right? Like this is a new normal, and who knows, you know, what's going to happen with the virus or work from home. But um, I think like I know so many people where their offices have adapted that even when it's safe to go back, they don't think they're going to go back because they're either saving money on office space or um, it's better for the environment, especially, you know, us in Los Angeles, all the driving. Um, It's just unnecessary, right? So I think something like this is going to, I think the world we're in a transition where things are, are going to change, right? Regardless, we don't know when this virus is going to end or whatever, but um, I think work from home for a lot of people is here to stay for quite some time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that we're all, we're going to see such a, a transformation in the way that we've been viewing live, our living spaces mm-hmm. and what home means, you know? So once who knows, this, this, the travel industry has obviously been hit the hardest by everything that's happening. But I think that another, another factor from this situation will probably be that people will want to travel and feel like they've actually been on a holiday rather than, you know, just going, going to see all the sites and go and like fulfill these crazy itineraries and do all of these things that um, that don't actually make you feel like you've rested or that you've actually taken time away from your your well-being, your 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 life to to restore and rejuvenate yourself. So yeah. I think that that's also going to be quite a, a big shift. Um, and in that shift, there'll be there'll be a lot more people who almost see the world as a little bit more of a, a mobile global place. 
Mm. Um, and a lot more people are going to want to move their, their home space around because they'll, they'll have the opportunity to now. Now they don't have to be relegated to just being in an office environment. They can, you know, go and spend six months in, in uh, South America and, and work and live in another place, experience a different culture. And I think that's a really beautiful opportunity that we also have moving forward for this. So, yeah. Yeah. And what I love is that you remote team wellness is global right? I mean, it's remote. Mm -hmm. So, and we're talking to you and this is incredible. Like I keep thinking about it, you know, with, with us all being at home for the past so many months, Erica and I have gotten to record with people all over the world and you're no different. You're in South Africa right now. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, how we can connect and have these conversations and get to know people. Um, all over the place and to share, you know, and like you said, share and prioritize community in a different way, maybe in a more sort of global citizen type way um, yeah. rather than sort of a localized mentality. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what tips would you also have, right, for any of our listeners who are listening and they're, they're in it right now, but maybe struggling to implement um, some positive wellness into their daily routine, or if they're able to implement some maybe good wellness into their routine, have partners or roommates who don't vibe with it, how how would you suggest, like, where do you start? Because I think starting can sometimes be, starting a practice can be the hardest thing of all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Starting is usually, well, the hardest part is showing up. And that is that is always going to be the hardest part to get yourself to get yourself to doing the class, to get yourself to actually meditating, to get yourself to opening the app, to start uh, learning whatever it is that you need to learn. It's and you know the 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 tricky thing is that starting is just about starting and then continuing to show up, and there's not really an a, an easier way to do it, and maybe it doesn't look the same way every day. I think. Also being attached, not, not being attached to the process of what, what it looks like at the end. Because I think so many of us feel uh, nervous to start something new because we're already thinking about the end. We're already thinking about the, the big picture and the, the, you know, you're looking at the whole, the whole staircase. Martin Luther King has that beautiful, beautiful quote that you cannot look at the entire staircase. You just have to focus on the first step. So what is your first step? And instead of it being like, oh, well, we have to meditate every day. We have to do it for 30 minutes. It has to be, it has, it has, to, it has to be this almost detachment of, you know, letting go of what it should look like. Rather, just thinking about how, what, what is my intention with starting this new thing? That's, the, that's another thing about starting anything is that if your intention is not set and you don't have a reason why you're doing it that's quite solidified, you're not, you're not going to be able to make it through those, you know, the first few weeks or through that first roadblock where, you know, you don't, you don't want to get out of bed and work out. You don't want to get out of bed and meditate. You, the intention is really everything. So if your intention in your life is to be more mindful or to live a healthier life or to eat better or to eat more plant-based, then that's the starting point. That's already your start. You've started. So there you have your intention and now you can do, now you can make decisions that align with that intention rather than trying to just take everything on and look at the whole picture. It's, it's about 
coming back to the original intention and you can come back there anytime because even when you're 10 years into the practice, you may, your attention may change, but you'll still have that initial intention of why you started in the first place. Yeah, I love that. I have a question. Something that you mentioned early when you were telling us about your, your personal journey and you were talking about when you were a practitioner in Australia, that you kind of came to this realization that you wanted to not um, enable, but to actively empower your mm-hmm. clients to, to take responsibility for their own, um, their own journeys, which mm-hmm. ultimately it's like nobody can do the work for anybody else, right? You can get resources and guidance and mentorship from other people. But I thought mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a really interesting and I, and I think important concept. Um, and can you talk a little bit about about that and why it's important? Because I do know that, I mean, the wellness industry is an industry just like everything else. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, people who might have good intentions can be easily sold something. And it's not to no fault of anybody's own, own right? It's just something that's a part of marketing and, and diet culture and all these things that are kind of insidious things that that kind of creep into the wellness space. Um, so how as a practitioner did you learn to, this is like a two-part question, how as a practitioner did you learn to really um, not t- learn to not take that on anymore? Because I think that can be exhausting. We've talked to practitioners who call it um, compassion fatigue. Yep. And so how did you learn in that process to sort of protect yourself, but then also actively create a way to work with people that is innately empowering for them and that you, you know, puts the work in their hands at the same time for themselves? Hmm. Yeah, great question. Really good question. And I think that the, that process started with me realizing that I can't heal anyone except myself. And that came from my own healing. It came from me understanding that, you know what, I have this ankle injury, but as many times as I go to the physiotherapist, he can give me all of the recommendations, all of the exercises, all of the tools. And, you know, you can literally lead the horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. You cannot expect someone else to do this for you because your healing journey and the way that you are moving through the space of healing is completely up to you. And so as a practitioner, it was extremely important for me when I, I, believe me, I felt that compassion fatigue very early on um, as just as a a person who, who has a very high level of empathy and sensitivity to others. I, I really did want to, you know, save people and take all of that on and, and heal people. And, you know, (laughs) someone said something funny to me once is, that if you're just trying to, you know, heal and help people, then you put yourself into the missionary position. And that's not a good position to be in because, you know, you're, you are not the savior. You are not the healer. You are a facilitator for that person's healing. You are uh, just, you are just a, a person who is helping them on their own journey. And that's what, kind of what we're all doing. There's also that beautiful quote that we're all just here to walk each other home. You know, there's something to learn from everyone. So instead of you know, putting all of this, I I think we put so much uh, power and emphasis into health professionals, healthcare professionals in general, 
that it becomes this this thing where it's like only they can help me only the doctor can heal me if i get sick i can only be i can only be better if i go and see someone to help me do it and so then we outsource our own power outsource our own healing and that that is already that is that is taking away so much of our unlimited potential to be our own healers and to be our own, the people that we, we are the people who are save ourselves, you know, there is no cavalry coming to save us. And that's a very important thing to learn, not only as a, a person who is a practitioner of wellness, but a person who is in the pursuit of wellness. So does that answer both of your questions? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good transition because I am curious too. I think, I mean, that's, I think that's been common for so long is people look at somebody else to take care of their health, right? Like we treat our bodies so horribly and then we get sick and then we want somebody to fix us or save us. And, um, Mm. it's, it's starting to change, you know, um, but not quickly enough, but it's starting to change. So again, it brings me to my next question are, what are some of the challenges that you have faced along the way in the work that you are doing, right? Like be it with remote team wellness, be it with you, just have there been challenges along the way with the mission that you are spreading? A hundred percent. People don't like change. We don't want to change. For the most part, change is something that is extremely scary and completely unknown. And for the longest time, we have been told that the unknown is something to fear. And that the unknown is thing that we need to stay away from, or that we need to have as much certainty as possible. But here is the thing that is a complete illusion because life has never been certain. We've never had certainty. We've always had these, you know, these built up uh you know, structures that have kept us in, you know, in these, these ways of operating and these ways of being in which we think that, you know, everything is going to work according to our little, you know, five step plan. And, um, and then, you know, I think, I think of the best, the best thing that I have, the best analogy I have for that is like the five stages of grief. How hilarious is that? Five stages of grieving. It's, it's just, it's just so, it's just so sterile and, completely removed from the, the, the reality that life is so up and down and backward and sideways rather than being this completely beautiful straight line that, you know, nothing ever really happens to, happens to go, um, to go wrong. And when we see, if we, if we are viewing our lives that way uh, and we are thinking that change is something that is bad then it does become extremely difficult to break out of, you know, out of our, our habits and out of the ways that we view what should be happening. So that's definitely an encounter, a challenge that I've encountered working with clients, but also working, you know, working to build this business is just coming up against that resistance that people have to making a change. Whether it's a change for the good or the bad, it's, it's a, a change is something that we fear. And so that is also a conversation that, look, I, I navigate it daily <laughs> um, and I, I, I am very present to, to people who, who do have that, that mindset 
because uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in how we as humans can evolve from that place of being, because I don't really feel like that is a, that's been a very uh, helpful way for us to operate <laughs> in the past. It hasn't really proven to be very handy. What is your um, goal? I mean, I'm sure there's many goals, but what is the next sort of, what's the next step as we're talking about, you know, you've launched remote team wellness. What is your, maybe vision is a better word for what, um, what purpose it can serve, especially as we uh, create new normals and are forced into maybe accepting a little bit more change in our, in our lives um, and in our own growth. Mm. To help people to, well, to empower people to evolve. That is one of my main missions. And whether it's with remote team wellness or whether it's in my, my personal work, my personal consultation, my personal coaching practices, it is to empower people to evolve. And that's, that's really, that's it. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so as we begin to wrap up, we always conclude with three questions. And so the first is, um, what is your self-care? I mean, considering what your job is and what you do, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, good question. Oh, I'm, I'm, such a, I'm such a big fan of self-care. And I mean, look, there has, there's also been a little bit of a... Um, you know, a almost almost like a, a, a I, the word will come to me, but um, self care self care is something that's so important. Not only in that you're just taking bubble baths and not, whatnot, but you're also making sure that you're checking in with yourself every day. So I I do things that make sure that I am checking in with how I am feeling, um, how I'm moving, how I'm being in my daily life. And those things usually include yoga, meditation eating well, taking time to really spend with the people that I love um, and making connections with the people that I do care about. Um, and yeah, and, um, and also being outside, being out in nature is such an important part of my life. Uh, walking barefoot on the earth and, and being around, around running water and trees and animals is something that really helps to rejuvenate and restore me. So that's my self-care for sure. How would you say you practice your courageous wellness? Like how do you have courage in your daily life? Hmm. By showing up and being present. Absolutely. Uh, Because, you know, it's, 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 it's a daily practice. Uh, There are some days that, you know, it's, it's scary to, to show up, to be a founder, to, to take the next step. It is scary to be on a journey where you are moving away from everything you have known and into unfamiliar spaces. So showing up and being present is a step of bravery that I, I really do value. Um, and it's, it's a reminder for myself, too, to just, to just keep showing up, whether it's, just, whether it's a small step or a really big step, show up. Thank you so much. Our last question that we ask everybody is, do you have a book that you would recommend to our audience that has been particularly inspirational to you um, along your journey? It can be in wellness or on anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I really hope I don't butcher his name because this book has been so influential for me. Um, but it's a book called Flow by Mihai C. Chicks. 
Sichekmihai. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his last name, hopefully. Um, but it is a really beautiful just way of talking about living to the full potential of our abilities and what it really means to be in flow state and uh, in the in flow with our lives to that that place where you know you're just doing something and you don't even realize how much time has passed because you are just so immersed in the being in an experience so yeah that's Thank definitely you. a huge book also anything anything by Brene Brown um, and another book that I always recommend to everyone I think every human being should read Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan fantastic okay. books Great. Yeah. Thanks. We'll look them up and link them. Um, cool. And then if anybody's interested in working with you, finding you, following you, where can they? Yeah, absolutely. So my business is called Remote Team Wellness and we are Remote Team Wellness on all the social medias. You can also get in touch with us if you are looking for services for your company at remoteteamwellness.com. And then if you want to get in touch with me uh, for coaching or consultations, then I am the chocolate pretzel on all the social medias as well. <laughs> so you can also find me at thechocolatepretzel.com. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to both of you. Thank you for your beautiful and insightful questions. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica and we're Courageous Wellness.